0: Last Sunday, we had uh, this place was packed out. We had about over or around a hundred people who were here for that special seminar that we had with Toby Janicki. We had people who came as far from Las Vegas and Arizona in order to be uh, a part of it, and it was um, in many ways a wonderful time. But it was also challenging as we discussed things that for many of us might have been new and might have been uh, a little uh, discomforting and. I, so if you were challenged by what was said last week, I encourage you to you know, come and talk to me and we can process through some of that. And also to reassure you um, that it's part of an important discussion that we need to have. At the same time, it's not necessarily going to change the practice within our own congregation. Um, but yet it's important information as we discuss and process through, process through uh, what was brought to us. Because I do think that it's an important conversation so, today I want to talk a little bit about our Haftarah this week from Isaiah 54. And in this time leading up to Rosh Hashanah, I did something similar last year, but this is an important conversation that we have to prepare ourselves for the season that we're in. Isaiah 54 begins, Roni Akara lo seeing a barren woman who has never had a child. Burst into song and shout for joy, you who have never been in labor. For the deserted wife will have more children than the woman who is living with her husband, says Adonai. Our Haftarah describes and demonstrates that the impossible will be made possible, that a barren woman will give birth. A woman who is not able to have a child will be able to have a child. What's interesting is these are the readings for Rosh Hashanah, right? Right? You have Sarah who is not able to have a child. You have Hannah who is not able to have a child. And yet God answers those prayers. Through repentance and God's mercy, Israel will be regathered and the covenant reconfirmed. As verse 10 goes on to tell us, For the mountains may leave and the hills be removed, but my grace will never leave you, and my covenant of peace will not be removed, says Adonai who has compassion on you. But we often forget... That this encouraging chapter follows Israel's captivity. After all, there is no deliverance or freedom without first being in bondage. You cannot be free unless you are captive. Otherwise, what are you being set free from? You cannot be delivered without being captive. This is the first lesson of repentance. To truly value God's forgiveness, we must first grasp that we have, what we have been forgiven of. This is actually one of the central messages and focuses of Yeshua's parables, right? That the person who has been forgiven much will value much. And the person who has been forgiven little will value little. Although salvation is freely offered by Hashem through Yeshua, it is not passively or randomly given. Does everybody understand that? Although it's readily available for everybody, it's not just freely given. You have to be willing to receive it and accept it and pursue it. Because redemption is the result of a pursuit and finally a full surrender unto God. Redemption begins by recognizing your complete dependence upon and need for Hashem in your life. The result of this surrender, as Paul writes, is that you are no longer your own, but you have been bought with a price. Real repentance is hard work, and it's messy. Whether it is our lifestyle, and internal issue that we have to deal with, or an act or decision that we've already made, in order to be forgiven, you must first be repentant. Our rabbis teach that neither sin offering nor trespass offering nor death nor Yom Kippur can bring forgiveness without repentance. They, the two have to go together. There, there will not be forgiveness unless there is teshuva, unless there is real work of repentance in order to bring about that forgiveness. We've talked about already, and we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks that we are in this time of Elul, this special month that leads up to the high holidays. As we approach the high holidays, and particularly Yom Kippur, it is important that we do the difficult work that repentance requires. If we want God to heal and forgive, then we need to pursue that healing and forgiveness. We also need to forgive and be a source of healing for others. After all, this is, there, after all there is a correct and an incorrect way to deal with pain and hurt. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that can defile either body or spirit and strive to be completely holy out of reverence for God. He then goes on to say in verse 8, If I caused you pain by my letter, I do not regret it. Even if I did regret it before, for I do see that the letter did distress you Although only for a short time. However, now I rejoice not because you were pained, but because the pain led you to turn back to God. And remember, this is what we were talking about that pain, that without pain, there's no deliverance. Now I rejoice not because you were pained, but because the pain led you to turn back to God, for you handled the pain in God's way, so that you were not harmed by us at all. Pain handled in God's way produces a turning from sin to God, which leads to salvation. And therefore, there is nothing to regret in that. But pain handled in the world's way produces only death. For just look at what handling the pain God's way produced in you. What earnest diligence, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what readiness to put things right. In everything, you have proved yourself blameless in the matter. We learn from this that there is God's way to handle pain and the world's way to handle pain. And although we all know this, I'm not telling you something you don't already know, we still often end up falling into the world's way of dealing with our pain, hurt, anger, and forgiveness. Even though Paul tells us clearly there is God's way to handle pain, in the world's way of handling pain, what do we always do? We tend to fall into the world's way of handling pain. For some of you, you might handle your pain by escaping into your work, becoming workaholics. For others of you, it might be a little drink to remove the edge, that you find that, you know, the typical glass of wine before bed becomes two and three and four and five. For others of you... It might be overeating, or gambling, or pornography, or simple avoidance. Avoidance is probably one of the greatest. It's the one I tend to like. <laughs> Pretending that you've got everything under control, when in reality, if you were, if you were to actually admit it to yourself, it's not under control. But if you pretend like it's not a problem, then we all kind of assume, oh, it'll just go away on its own. And rarely does it ever go away. In fact, it often just gets worse. And when we try to deal with our hurts and pain in this way, where does it lead? What are the results? Often the results is more hurt and more pain. The empty hole we are trying to fill just keeps getting bigger and deeper. Avoidance or covering up what's really wrong does not work because healing cannot happen without pain. Usually we want to just put a Band-Aid on our wounds and because we're afraid to actually deal with the pain of the wound. But God cannot bring deep inner healing without our first being willing to let him in, to do surgery on those deep areas. Because again, forgiveness requires us to do the hard work that repentance requires. For there is no deliverance without first being in captivity. Many of us think that we can just add Messiah to our lives without changing our behavior or having to actually deal with what's going on. In fact, there is a, this is a common misconception. Yeshua must become the vehicle by which we do the difficult task of dealing with what's really going on. That true cheshbona nefesh a true accounting of our souls, requires a level of discomfort and pain. A surgeon understands that healing cannot often take place until you first go into the wounded area and dig out the imperfection. Surgery is painful. Ask Dr. Elizabeth, she'll tell you. But at the same time, without surgery, you may never function properly. Rabbi Steve, as you all know, is a physical therapist. And um, when I fractured my thumb last February, I got to visit some of his colleagues. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I was really kind of afraid for my first visit because I knew that they're going to cause a tremendous amount of pain, right? That they're going to go in and move my thumb and make it do all kinds of things that I, on my own, would not want to stretch it out too much because I'm afraid of the pain. Actually, I, I think... Um, uh, I. Mark was mentioning this yesterday, right? Like, that even on this recent surgery you had with your own ankle, that you know, like, on my own, I'm not going to put it through the rigor that it needs in order to heal correctly. And so we need some amount of pain in order to bring healing. As we head into the high holidays, this time when God has specifically appointed our meeting with him, we need to open ourselves up to being healed and delivered. We need to let God perform deep inner healing, to let God do some spiritual surgery. Because when the gates close on Yom Kippur, we can then go into Sukkot really rejoicing, knowing that deep inner progress has been made, that we have done our part so that God can forgive and bring healing. Let's look again at Paul's encouragement in verse Eleven, where he says, for just look at what handling the pain God's way produced in you. What earnest diligence, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what readiness to put things right. In everything you have proved yourselves blameless in the manner. So what should we continue doing through this season of repentance? There's a wonderful story from the Midrash That sounds very familiar to many of us, and it goes something like this. Consider the parable of a prince who was far away from his father, a hundred days' journey away. His friends said to him, return to your father. And he replied, I cannot, I don't have the strength. Thereupon his father sent words, saying to him, come back as far as you can according to your strength, and I will go the rest of the way to meet you. So the Holy One, blessed be He, says to Israel, Return unto me, and I will return unto you. It quotes from Malachi 3.7. Inside of your bulletins, you'll see that you have a green insert. And this is something that I want you to either stick on your refrigerator, put inside of your siddur or your Bible, wherever you're going to see it. And I want you to take this time between now and Yom Kippur to actually go through the difficult work that repentance requires. That there are two things, things—the really three things we need to do to prepare ourselves from Yom, for Yom Kippur. Cheshbonah nefesh, to take an accounting of our soul. To do Teshuvah. Does everybody remember what Teshuvah means? It means repentance, but what does that really mean? So the word teshuva... The root of that is shuv. It means to turn is what it means. So if I'm going this way, which is really what, you know, we tend to like overcomplicate sin, right? It really is anything that takes you away from the direction that God wants you to go. If I'm going this way in the way that I personally want to go, then I need to turn and go back in the direction that God is calling me. and then we also need to be in preparation and prayer for this is the season to be crying out to hashem with khashbona nefesh i want you to begin to think through your shortcomings what traps in your life keep you from being the kind of person that you want to be what pains or influences of your childhood keep you from keep replaying in your mind and in your life this is why I, this isn't to answer now i want you to take this home and really if you're serious about you want to see breakthrough in your life this year and not just let the high holidays be another, just another year, another date. To really take some time to not be looking at your phone or your screen on your computer. To turn the TV off and really think through and ask God to show you as you ask these questions. We continue, what pitfalls or habits do you keep falling into? We all have them. Are you ready to really get rid of these things? And if you answer yes, be careful what you <laughs> get yourself into, right? But then if so, how are you going to change these things? What can, who can you talk to for help? What do you need to do? Who do you need to forgive? What might, who might have wronged you in the past year and need to seek rec- your forgiveness from? And also, who might have something against you that you need to make right? Remember, as we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago, so if you are offering your gift at the temple altar and you remember there, there that your brother has something against you, leave your gift where it is by the altar and go and make peace with your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. Also, consider what do you need in order to forgive yourself? Sometimes we're the ones who are holding on to something when forgiveness has already been offered, either from God or even from others, and yet we're the ones who are bound in guilt and shame. Finally, once you have a better sense of what needs to change than to do Teshuvah, we need to return and seek forgiveness, to take responsibility with God, and be specific and take full responsibility, and with others, Again, being specific and taking full responsibility. Preparation and prayer is the final step. This is the season to be crying out to Hashem, and that is the message of the readings during the Torah service on Rosh Hashanah, that basically I cried out to God, and in my desperation, God heard me and answered my prayer. This is that season. This is that time, as I mentioned last week, when the rabbis say that Elul is this time when the king is in the field, right? The, normally, the king is walled up in a castle and he's difficult to get to, and there's a wall and there are guards, and you have to set up an appointment, and even then, you have to go through person after person after person in order to be granted access to the king. But the rabbis say during Elul and leading up to the holidays, the king is in the field. There's no walls, there's no guards. There's nobody that you need to set up an appointment with. <laughs> you have complete and unfettered access to, to the Melech Amlechim, the king of all kings. In just a moment, I'm going to put the worship team on the spot and I'm going to ask them, if, if uh, Jeremiah doesn't mind and if the rest of the worship team is here, to come back and do, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why? Because sometimes real repentance requires just letting go. Now, there's a story of, that I've told, I think I told this story last year during Yom Kippur that there's a story on the Ne'ilah service, the final service of Yom Kippur, that a congregant came to Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach and they said, Rabbi, you know, I feel like on this Yom Kippur, I've been praying so hard, I've been davening so hard, I've been fasting so hard, but I feel that my prayers are not getting through. And Rabbi Shlomo looked at this person and he said, you know, my holiest brother, this whole time, I never heard you singing. I never saw you dance. I never saw you give harmony. Don't you know that you can sing and dance your way into the book of life? And that's the message for us as we enter the high holidays. That we need to do the difficult work, but we also need to be able to let go and let God do the things that he wants to do. So, Jeremiah, if you wouldn't mind, let's come back and, um, and sing this passage, which is actually traditionally from our liturgy, kolan shema to Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise Adonai. All right, so let's get up, right? Avinu, our father, I pray that you would do the difficult work that we need to do, that as much as we try to avoid pain, We need to understand that there's a certain element of healing that cannot happen without a certain amount of pain. And there's no freedom without first being captive. So I pray, God, that in the name of Yeshua, that you would do something powerful within us. That as we approach the high holidays this year, that we would understand that the king is in the field. And rather being afraid for the king to see us the way that we are, Afraid that we're not dressed right or that we don't have everything in order. That we would realize that the king just wants to see us. He just wants to spend time with us. God, let us in the right way let go of those reservations that hold us back. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord.
1: The sea from and the waves, the sound of the, of the rain. From the from mammals the, of the, the depths to, to the, the birds of the sky. The thunder and lightning, the roar of waterfalls, aurora waterfalls aurora the wind that's in the leaves. They are all joining us, us through to through. sing a you. Kohan shemate she do hallelujah. Call us to Bath day, hallelujah. Call us to Bath day, hallelujah. hallelujah. The newborn babies, the new-born babies crying at, at their birth, birth. even the, the tree. tree. The trees they clap their hands, a sea of worshippers from all the nations, with the hosts of angels. They all are joining us to sing of you. Colashimate, Haleya. Colashimate, Haleya. Colashimate, Haleya.
0: Shalom, we are God, Hallelujah.
1: Colashimate, Haleya. Colashimate, Haleya. Halaya, Shirupe, Halaya, Haleya, Halaya, 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 Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Kol ashemate hallelujah, kol hallelujah, shiru beyachad hallelujah, kol ashemate hallelujah, kol ashemate hallelujah. hallelujah, shiru beyachad
0: hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise, let everything that
1: has breath praise. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, sing it together, hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise. Let everything that has breath praise praise the lord praise the lord sing it together hallelujah hallelujah
0: Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. All right, so let's remain standing for the Aleinu
1: Alenulishaber Don Ha ko La tetirulag sebreshi. Shalloa sanuke go ye ha velo samanu, gemishpako ha dama. Shallo samkel ke nukahem, vigo ra le nuke ho hamonam, vena nukorim, who mishtakavim, who modim, ne melech. Therefore God also highly exalted Messiah and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name belonging to Yeshua, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. (laughs) Vene emma Adonai, Lemele al Kohaha Retz, hahu, Biom hahu, Ye Adonai echad, Husham.
0: I now want to invite those who are in mourning and those who are observing a yard site to remain standing for the words of the mourner's Scottish.